0: All right, friends, very quick announcement. I am running a Christmas giveaway. It closes in eight days' time. That'll be Friday, the 2nd of December. I am giving away three books. A signed copy of You Are Enough, Learning to Love Yourself the Way God Loves You by me. It is also signed by Andy Kolberg who wrote the Ford? I'm giving away the audiobook of Dr. Allison Cook's incredible The Best of You, Break Free from Painful Patterns, Mend Your Past, and Discover Your True Self in God. And Mark Allen Shelsky's brand new book on journaling. Journaling for Spiritual Growth, Six Weeks to Build a Habit that Fosters Spiritual and Emotional Maturity. And it is excellent. Along with a $20 visa gift card, some delicious Christmas treats and some locally made ornaments, handwritten card from us, there's a whole bunch Bunch of ways that you can enter the draw. You need to head over to jonathanpuddle.com/giveaway. That will get you in the draw. There's actually three of you that are going to win this. So uh, go sign up. There's there's a bunch of ways that you can enter the draw. There's a bunch of ways that you can get extra entries to win, and uh, go tell your friends. And uh, yeah. So excited to be able to give back. Uh, You folks really blessed and overwhelmed us in the last few weeks when we were in need. And so just a little something that we can do to say thanks and Merry Christmas. So JonathanPuddle.com slash giveaway to get in on this wholeness and joy Christmas package. That's it. Hey, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. B-side.
1: Hey, hey.
0: We missed one in there, Mm -hmm. but that's okay.
1: Because it was intentional. We chose to.
0: Yes. <laughs> we retrospectively <laughs> chose to, which is actually true.
1: Yeah. Hey,
0: there's this heavy burden hanging over my head. Oh, you know what we could do? Cut it off.
1: Not do now
0: it. I feel great. So, yes. that is the end of this episode. Enjoy that nugget of wisdom, everybody. <laughs> we're done.
1: <laughs> Listen, if we're not going to practice what we're pre- what we're preaching, then what are we doing? So.
0: Totally. So. Uh, this time, though, we are talking all about Katie Gudini, who was just on the podcast talking about her brilliant book, The Struggle to Stay, Why Single Evangelical Women Are Leaving the Church. And I, I love Katie.
1: I'm like fangirling hard over her. She is an absolute brilliant mind.
0: Like, a brilliant mind. Amazing. A clearly kind and discerning soul. Yeah. A a thorough researcher yeah and 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 with beautiful language and prose
1: like an incredible writer and kinder than she needs to be in some situations she's more grace than i would about certain topics
0: yeah she's generous
1: yeah she's very generous
0: so. yeah uh so let me read two little segments to set us up here today this is from page 216 the final chapter the struggle to stay Single evangelical women desire to be valued and treated equally within their religious communities. They want to be told that their worth lies outside of what they do or do not do with their bodies. They want more acceptance and less judgment. They want the freedom to express who they are without the pressure to conform. Some want to pursue a career. Others desire to be church leaders. Most want to enjoy singlehood without being rushed into marriage. In short, they desire more acceptable ways of being. Mm. Like, it doesn't sound like too much to ask.
1: It's like, really? They're just asking for choice to make their own, an agency to make their own decisions.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Dignity. Yeah. Agency. Respect. Yeah.
1: Like, see me as an image bearer of God also. Let's just start there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, like, can we just rebuild on that Mm -hmm. for everybody?
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah.
0: For single women, for single men, for gay members of our church, for all kinds of queer people in our church, for people of color, of all colors in our churches, for children in our churches, for, for the elderly, for widows and widowers in our church.
1: That's exactly it.
0: I, I I edited a book for a client in the last couple of years, and she wrote about um, – it's basically a guide to being married to an unbeliever. And it was really interesting. She is writing within like a conservative evangelical framework,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and she encountered Christ and became a follower of Jesus and joined the church. And her mm-hmm. husband never did,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and she's kind of laid out a practical guide, but she lays out all the problems, and mm-hmm. it's this exact stuff:
1: mm. it's you
0: are treated like a second class citizen.
1: Yeah,
0: everybody assumes she's single.
1: Yeah,
0: and then she's like, "No, oh, I'm I'm married." Oh, but where's your husband? Oh, well, he he doesn't come to church. Oh, she she doesn't want to hang out with all the married couples in their families because that's a bit painful she doesn't want to hang out with the single people because partly she was like because they're the worst like the not not because single people are but because church singles groups (laughs) are the worst
1: a (laughs) hundred percent horrible
0: and um you know that's what struck me working on her project. I was just like this is um, this is unjust. There is a problem here. You know, and essentially she said the the group that she ends up gravitating to in churches if my memory serves is the widows. Who are like not single and on the prowl.
1: Yeah.
0: But a kind of a like yeah, I had a spouse. You know, and she's like so basically I get treated like my spouse is dead. But, you know, I also love my spouse mm-hmm. and I'm also committed to my spouse. Mm-hmm. Surely things that the church should be supporting.
1: <laughs> oh, isn't it ironic? Sorry, my doorbell was ringing for a second. Okay. um, Yeah, it's so ironic how, like, what is considered, what makes you a person of value in the church? I was having a conversation with a friend this morning um, and they were having a conversation with a friend. So this is two people removed. And they had lost someone significant to them in their life and their coworker had like dropped off a meal and shown all this love to them. And had called to check in and be like, Hey, how are you doing? And this individual was like, was shocked. They they called my friend and they were like, I can't believe this person was so nice. They were behaving like a Christian. Like they were so loving to me. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like, can people who are not also Christians show love and be loving? Like, are we not all made in the image of God? Can we not see love and joy and peace in everybody like what is this hierarchy we've created of who is of value and who is of not so even with these women it's of well we can't understand your partner being a non-christian so we just have to assume their death like that's the easiest way for us to reconcile that because we can't also see the presence of christ right moving in them
0: or even support you in your faithful decision to do something that we don't understand.
1: And that's exactly it. Like you don't have to understand every decision that someone makes. That's between them and their creator, right? Totally.
0: Totally. I I know. I like my my brain goes into okay, how do we solve this problem? Because mm-hmm. I think Katie and others have obviously done a really excellent job at articulating these kinds of problems, okay? it's it's essentially an exit path right mm-hmm. it's a it's like a funnel towards the door and and i i was intrigued talking to mark uh your mark the other day mm-hmm. um when he was talking about about lakeside and how he sort of tells people he likes to tell people who are new and you you'll, you'll know his language better than me that it's kind of like yeah like we we want to go deep with Jesus and that means like that we have a really wide acceptance. So, so we're going to, so there's going to be people here in, in this thing that, that are going to offend you. And that like, but like that, that should be what happens. Like if we're going really deep into Jesus, yeah, we should be widening and widening and widening the net.
1: I think that's it. It's the whole deep faith wide embrace thing, right? That, Where that's
0: she, the language. There that's, it is.
1: That's, that is his, his line. Um, Where the more that we walk in step with Jesus, we realize Jesus loved people so well, regardless of where they were at. Right. Um, And that's hard. And I won't even lie. Like even today, I was driving back for this interview and I was in my head. I'm like, I'm thinking of certain people that I'm angry at that. I just want to cut off in my life. I'm like, I have no need for you. (laughs) And I'm like, this is me actually not living out what I believe. If I believe like deep faith, wide embrace, that even though our value sets are different, even though I believe you're hurting people with what you are practicing, I should have space for you to some degree, right? Like for you yeah. to walk that out with Jesus. Like not that you don't like I'm not saying we never call someone out on their stuff and you know put boundaries and toxic people. Like, just hear me. But I uh, it just it's it is a hard journey. I don't know. I was thinking a lot about what Katie talked about, because we have a very unhealthy hierarchy in the church of what it means like to be an ideal Christian. And She kind of talked about the ideal Christian woman, um, but the ideal Christian being married, which is so mind boggling to me when Jesus was not married. She didn't have no babies. So where is this that for some reason to be the ideal Christian, you have to be married to a hot partner, have like 2.5 kids, have the white picket fence, like all the things, right?
0: Yes. Um,
1: because I've talked to so many girlfriends or and guy friends who, when they were single, felt no value in the church. Yes. Um this- Uh, I don't know, like, it's so easy for me to listen to her interview and be like, actually, this affects all of us, like single, married, male, female, non-binary, like, regardless of sexuality, I think so many people are struggling to stay in the church right now Mm
0: -hmm. because of
1: a lack of congruency and feeling of acceptance and love. But I also just want to honor that she was specifically studying, like, single women and the fact that there's a whole other, like, there's so much that they face that we have enough to unpack personally
0: yeah 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 so okay I, yeah you're absolutely yes absolutely if you are a single woman we see you and we are trying to see you better
1: yes uh
0: but i think let's dig into this right here because this is so fascinating okay jesus you just said jesus the had no babies absolutely <laughs> paul literally says uh if you can stay single way better you're going to be so much more productive like obviously not producing of babies but like
1: you're not going to be fighting with someone you're not going
0: to even think he just about- spells it out like <laughs> yeah. if you if you can't keep it in your pants then get married but otherwise like you'll be way more better for the kingdom i mean that's a whole separate thing <laughs> but but i mean that's intriguing to me uh, you've yes. got it seems the majority of the disciples were not Most married people. Uh, Peter, we know, had a mother-in-law, had a mother-in-law which yeah. implies marriage. And I think the Chosen worked with that pretty well. Um, you've got a sing- at least one single woman who yeah. seems to hang around with them, let alone what you choose to do with Mary, the mother of Jesus, who obviously is widowed at some point and seems to hang around with Jesus's ministry. Okay, so why is it? What do you think it is? Why do you think, like, okay, because because the first thought that comes to my mind is if I'm thinking about men, mm-hmm. I, I would rather that the men teaching me, the men teaching anybody, are married, mm-hmm. and I'm tr- I'm already asking myself why is that, and I think it's because I'm not sure that I trust unmarried men. Mm-hmm to be doing the work of oh, like he's... getting over themselves yeah so okay that's that's let's say that that's one thing okay, okay?
1: writing this down doing the work okay doing the work mm-hmm. and you can
0: do the work unmarried
1: 100 I know
0: so many people doing the work that is to say I know many women single women doing the work and I know some some men. Doing the work.
1: I appreciate the honesty. And so then here's my question, right? So, how much of it is are we socialized to want a married person teaching us? Um also, oh, I just lost my thought. Sorry, guys. You know what? It doesn't need to happen. Okay, so are we socialized to want a married person, you know, teaching us? And, and I do hear you on the, you know, they're doing the work. You and I have had these conversations of um I love youth pastors. I have so much respect for youth pastors and our youth pastor. I have called into question sometimes different youth pastors because I'm like, often they're very young, um, one gender, one ethnic ethnic group and life experience. And often because of the life stage, they're teaching about sex and purity and all of that fun stuff. And like what I struggle with is you're teaching something that you actually haven't had to live out yet. You're teaching a sexual ethic with no redemption, like you haven't seen the hard things in life yet, not for everybody, but for some people. That's yeah. been my experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so it just feels very black and white. So even you talk about Katie talking about how she gravitates to the widows. I'm like, I get that because they've seen the- Sorry, hard- that
0: wasn't Katie, that was sorry. a client of mine, but go on.
1: Sorry, yes. Um, when my doorbell was ringing, sorry. Um, uh, gravitating towards the widows because That makes sense to me. They've had to walk through hard things in life. And I think when you've walked through the hard things, it shifts your theology a little bit. I think you walk into a different depth with Jesus, not to undermine people who have not had to struggle to certain degrees. So I think there is that part where I do want someone who's had to walk the hard things out. I think my faith, Mark's faith is different because of our marriage, because of the hard things that we've had to figure out together, whether it be like sex or marriage or kids or money or all of loss, so much loss. Right. So all of that. So for sure. I love that, um, that we want someone who has had to walk that out. But I also do like on the flip side of this, and maybe I'm just really pessimistic and I'm like, okay, the world is horrible. And so are we just socialized that we want someone who's married because we think that if you're a man who's married then that means you're somehow loyal, you're somehow like a value, someone wants you. Oh, if you're in a Christian marriage, then you're like a leader because, you know, we want a man who's leading. And if you're a woman, if you're in a Christian marriage, then you're you're submissive, you have someone who's like taking care of you. And even like how many churches they only have women who preach if their husband's there with them, right? So I think there is also this weird dynamic where I don't want to throw everything under power and control, but is it part of like this patriarchal system we live in where we've idolized marriage because it's absolutely a framework of control in her? Our-
0: culture mm. see I mean I, yeah I think that's a I think that's an insightful thought even if even okay if that's true if they, if you're like oh my gosh uh she's control everywhere uh <laughs> e- even if e- even if we leave control for a moment I've already made the assumption that because someone's married they are doing the work right like mm-hmm. I just said I just implied that mm-hmm. And but we know plenty of marriages where there's no work being done. <laughs> so like, so that's already a false premise that just because you're married, you are learning to move in self in in others-centered sacrificial love. Yeah. Would that were the case for every marriage? But yeah. we know it's not. You know, we've we've witnessed here in Canada uh, with the meeting house. You know, a, a, a guy who seemed to be a great husband and father and leader prove to have also been doing terrible things Mm -hmm. and so okay marriage alone is clearly not enough Mm -hmm. to secure what i want in the life of people who teach me yeah um catholic priests of course don't marry
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and i've met Many lovely, wonderful, mature, and wise Catholic priests. Yeah, who I would happily teach me. Mm. So that's interesting. Um, I've I'm trying to think through. Okay, obviously I'm, I'm just talking about men here. I'm trying to think about some single women. I know a number of wonderful, wise. Learned, kind single mm-hmm. women. Yeah. Who I would who I learn from all the time, who are my friends, who who call me to a higher standard, who uh who equip me and push me towards Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I th- I think she Katie identifies in the book that that you know, some of these women don't put themselves forward. Hmm. Partly because there's a cultural thing that sort of is like, well, it's very normal for men to put themselves forward in general, right? Like if, if you walk into a room and a bunch of men are like, yes, I'll be in charge here. uh, Nobody thinks that's weird. Uh, If a woman's like, oh, sure, I'll lead the, I'll lead this discussion. Everyone's kind of like,
1: she's bossy. Maybe there's there's a Jezebel spirit. Sure,
0: There's a Jezebel spirit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's a little too much.
0: She's She's a little too too much. much. What
1: is she trying to comp? No, a hundred percent. Like we talk about this all the time, right? Like, how often will a man apply for a job, even though they have maybe half the credentials necessary for it? And a woman who is overqualified for a job will not because there is just we've bred a culture of insecurity where you're not supposed to be too much and assert yourself too much. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Did you read, I,
0: did you read the story in the book about one of her one of the interviewees who gets fired for from her job? <laughs>
1: Oh my goodness. And then they give it to a male
0: and then and they, they, they create a, a new job Yeah. three months later. That's the exact same job and, and hire this other guy who's supposedly more qualified for the job than the person who's already been doing it for 10 years
1: for 10 years. And then have her sign an NDA. That's right. Which can we just talk about like NDA culture in the church? That's a whole other, sorry, we won't go there. <laughs> but
0: you know, that story pissed me off so much. Yeah, tell me. Uh, Because I have witnessed that from the HR and employer side and have felt this is wrong. Yeah. This is wrong. We just need to, if we, if, if, okay, look, if we don't like this person, if, if this person is rubbing us the wrong way, we need to figure that problem out and not beat around the bush like some kind of scaredy mans who can't have a robust conversation with a woman that we're scared of. Like and I've been guilty of this for my own part. Yeah. Um, when I was a director, yeah. having a number of women who were older than me, who were strong personalities, and I was intimidated by them, which is not because they were "quote unquote" intimidating women. It's because I was immature. Mm. And I remember watching situations where I'm like, "Oh, we need to get rid of this woman." I'm like, "I or whatever." And, and in some cases, okay, let's say from the outset, I really don't like firing, and I want to be the kind of person that doesn't play that game and is is deeply invested in the people that we have, and let's mm-hmm. find the right fit for them. Yeah. But if that's not where you're at, or that's no longer possible, for any number of reasons, which we don't need to discuss, if you're going to fire someone, just have the balls to fire them.
1: Or the ovaries, but 100%. Or the
0: ovaries. Just have the spherical reproductive organs <laughs> to fire, or have no reproductive organs. Okay, no more metaphors. Just be brave and courageous hundred, yeah. and fire them. And if you need to pay them out because they've do been it. with you for 10 years, then Honor pay that. them out. Yes. Be generous. Don't yes. do some HR legal bullshit where you skirt around the issue and create, oh, you're no, you're redundant now because we have made a change in the department. And I've, no, and I've had that done and I've had yeah. the HR people say to me, well, this is the way that we need to do it, Jonathan. And I'm kind of like, okay, you're the HR experts in the church. I assume you're people of faith and integrity.
1: Well, okay. So this is the whole thing, right? Like clarity is kindness sometimes. And just be clear, just be honest. And I struggle so much. I understand the churches have become a business in so many ways in a brand, but there has become a culture of protecting this business and protecting the brand and then treating it like that, which it's not, it's a community of people. So yes, there's money involved. Yes, there's like HR and all of the things. But if you can't be honest with people, if you can't tell them the truth, if you're going to do some back-ended way to get rid of them. Like what makes us like, what is the point of this? I I just, Katie talked about, well, you and I talked about this too, about just how there's so much litigation now in the church world. And then nothing ever comes forward because everything's just, everyone's like, oh, I can't actually say anything because I don't want to be sued. Or, oh, if you say anything, I'm going to sue you. And I'm like, so where's the truth? What happened to the truth will set you free. What happened to actually being honest about what is going on? Because you know what? Sometimes firing someone is the best gift you can give them. Sometimes they're not a good fit there and they're not living out their calling and neither of you are in a good space. So that's actually an incredible gift, but not having the, what were we saying? Balls, ovaries to actually do it? (laughs) Actually.
0: Courage. We're just using, we're we're ditching the patriarchal metaphors.
1: Thank (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. The courage to actually stand in your integrity. Is actually holding everybody back.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's and true.
1: I'm just tired of like, the game. I'm tired of the politics with it. Yeah. Oh, know.
0: So Katie off air, I don't think this is oversharing, but off air before we began, Katie uh, explained that she had had major legal pushback mm-hmm. from two churches that are profiled in this book. And um, so they used pseudonyms for churches, pseudonyms for the individuals to protect their own privacy and to protect them, those people, from repercussions from these churches. And I'm not 100% sure who these churches are, but I'm I'm confident and I'm confident enough that I felt very sad, Mm -hmm. very sad. Disappointed. Not well, strictly surprised, but disappointed.
1: Uh, well, when did the mission of churches become more important, like the process become more important than people, right? Because in some ways, if we're like gut level honest, I can understand why a church would not want litigation against it. It prevents the ministry they're doing and, you know, the people whose lives are being transformed or the community, their community they're finding and all the things. So I can, I can respect being like, Hey, we need to protect the institution, however is Jesus not about leaving the 99 for the one is Jesus not about like being putting things into the into the light and out of the darkness like I just we talked about this there's another like massive organization where someone came forward with sexual allegations around against the the person at the top and they were told well don't bring the allegations forward because then they'll stop the like the the, the moving mission. forward of the gospel, the mission of the, this ministry. Think of the all the people who will lied.
0: somehow be harmed by yes. your exposure. Not, not the evil that that person was doing.
1: Exactly.
0: That doesn't harm the kingdom
1: no. somehow.
0: I'm being facetious, people.
1: No. But this is like this is what it's come down to. Okay, so we're going back to wanting to be. So I'm going to circle back for a second. We were talking about wanting to listen to preachers who were men who were married right? Because the association is they're doing the work, but also there's this ideology of what we've allowed in the church is to have so many of our leaders, specifically men. And I'm not, and women too, who have been given like carte blanche authority, so yes. it's like okay, anything for the mission. Any like we talked, we listened to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, and Mark Driscoll's big thing is behind the Mars Hill, but like church behind the bus is a it's a pile of bodies. But how many churches actually do that and don't just say it out loud? Mark, just set it up. Mark Driscoll, said it out loud, right? <laughs> just said it out loud. <laughs> but it's true. We so we say anything in the name of the gospel, anything for the mission, and then so what? We're gonna threaten to sue you if you out any of what we're doing to actually harm people and not a jesus way
0: it's ass backwards
1: exactly it
0: like jesus i'm just thinking you know protect the institution okay (sighs) so in column a you have protect the institution in column b you have jesus say tear down this temple i'll rebuild it in three days like and everyone's offended Mm -hmm. everyone's offended with jesus because they're you know or or okay what else um uh jesus says to the woman at the well right like i've got better water and she's Mm -hmm. like are you better than our forefather, Abraham or Isaac? I forget who, Jacob, Jacob's well, like, you know, who put this well here, like he's the person that we respect. Right. So, so then, yeah, you're going to have another setup of columns. Like don't, don't disrespect the elder. And then in Jesus's column, (laughs) I've got better water than Jacob ever had. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's, it's immensely frustrating. And And I honestly, like you you, you said when we started, you said you're kind of in a mood right now to just burn this whole thing down. And I'm like, yeah, like, but, that, but I think that's righteous. I think that's I think that's exactly the mood the Holy Spirit is in. I think that's the mood the Holy Spirit's been in, particularly for the last 30 years. <laughs> it's just we're only just seeing the real kind of breaking out of it here and now.
1: It's felt like that, right? I don't know. It just feels like every conversation i have lately are people not just single women people who are tremendously hurt by the church like irrevocably hurt and then so my question is we are like we are leaving a pile of bodies behind our churches right now so what are we doing about that yeah because it doesn't feel like like even i look at katie Gadini's work and it's beautiful and then she says <laughs> Like in bold letters, she's like, well, why aren't things changing? And so then that's my question. Why are uh, we see the facts? We see the research. We see like psychologists are talking about the level of trauma that evangelicals walk in, yeah. and yet we're not changing. If anything, we're doubling down.
0: I think, I think, I think as the institution, it is doubling down. Yes. I don't think we're doubling down. Yes. I think, yes. I think probably the, I, I read that. And that felt very real to me, like Mm -hmm. where she says, "Okay, we've had this conference. We've had this event. Everyone was excited. Everybody said, look, the spirit's doing a new thing. Everything's like, well, it's a start. And we have have had all of these kinds of things happening for so long. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And why isn't anything changing? And I was like, oh, I feel that. But I think think things are changing. Uh, And I think there's two major things left out to me in my mind. Yeah. That are changing. One, our children are changing. Yeah, Our children are going to grow up and already are with a very, very different baseline.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's a real shame that it takes 20 to 40 years for that balance of gravity to shift, mm-hmm. by which time they'll be identifying all of our problems that we haven't done proper business with and yeah. will be the... Uh, you know the, before long it's gonna be like okay millennial okay millennial you go over there with your I think we're already your I your facebook addiction
1: yeah our side parts our skinny jeans i think we're already getting called out on a lot of our it's
0: true wow your waist is not high enough um, <laughs> i can see your hips <laughs> that's gross <laughs> go back to the 90s um or early 2000s rather so okay i think our children are changing yeah. and our children are being set up better than we are and i want to say that i think that is happening and i think that is great yeah to i think i think things are changing because people are ditching the institution i don't think the institution is changing by and large yeah from what i can tell churches that are genuinely becoming safe places for people of all walks of life Mm -hmm. to turn up and be pointed to Jesus are excruciatingly rare
1: yeah
0: right like i mean we've bumped into this with with bridget uh, eileen rivera right in terms of uh gay people finding churches okay well they they can find churches but churches that preach the gospel churches that are willing to believe in the resurrection um you know i even just just in my in my instagram like every week people are saying oh where's your church?" And they're like, ah, oh, yeah, we're 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 also in southern Ontario, and there's nothing, nothing yeah. that we that we can, in good conscience, bring our children to, or our teenagers to, or okay. even can stomach ourselves. And okay, I, I, I debated whether to share this during the interview. Um, I didn't because I thought I'll save it for here. Um, I just got to be careful because I don't want to out these people. But we recently. Had dinner with some folks who are not millennials, are older, have planted churches, have been involved in the work of the ministry their entire life, are the most legit, solid, salt and light kind of people and and they came around in the essence to ask me should we leave our church we we think we are done mm-hmm. and and the husband was kind of like yeah i'm already done i'm not asking the question and and the wife was kind of like i'm just uh, I, you know i'm a bit nervous or or the, i i know I'm, i know there's going to be loss in yeah. leaving but they're like we don't have any friends we've been there 9 years and these are then these are outgoing, engaging people.
1: Yeah.
0: Like I, I I was shocked and not shocked. Like I was again, I was, I think, again, it's just like I was grieved and so disappointed. And I said to them, I said, because you know, and they just kind of unburdened themselves of all the pain and all the confusion and all the frustration. And there's doctrinal, some doctrinal stuff, some teaching stuff. Also the fact of like, you know, these pastors, they said we we actually really love our pastors. But it doesn't seem almost anybody in this congregation has caught the value of these pastors, which, which does reflect on the pastors, also reflects on the people, reflects on the whole culture, reflects on this whole ocean, and reflects on the fact of who has left this church and who has remained and who has not got eyes to see what is happening right now. And I just said to this couple, I'm so sorry, that is such a shame, but it's not your shame hmm so good and i and i watched kind of their shoulders come down a little bit and i thought to myself man jesus what on earth is going on yeah. and i know what's going on i'm not actually it's a rhetorical question i'm just like god
1: it's interesting as you talk because i feel so heartbroken and I know we've just spent the last like 30, 40 minutes complaining, not complaining, but you know, venting and processing our grief and anger at like the large sea church. Um, and the way people are so hurt. But as like I listen to you and I feel the grief, there's all I'm so saddened and devastated because there's also so much love. And I hate, like I don't know what to do with that. And that and I, I and I think that's the hard like the hard and beautiful part. Mm. of, it is absolutely heartbreaking and devastating how people are being treated in so many of our churches, how people are leaving, um, brokenhearted and yet. Okay. So you are right. Like there is change beginning to happen and there is healing being found. And I guess that's what like people are finding Jesus they're finding life and they're finding love. And so,
0: right. And they're finding community and relationship. Okay, I just read a book um, last week, a beautiful book. I don't know if you've heard of it uh, yet. It came out last year by Linda McGibbon, who's with InterVarsity uh, in Toronto. And it's called My Vertical Neighborhood. And uh, it's basically like she leaves Moncton and moves to Toronto and lives in a condo on like the 15th story. And builds a, a community of friends over a period of years basically by opening up the door and putting a sign on like in the message board downstairs saying free dinner, Monday nights, my suite. Mm-hmm. And that grows and grow, eventually move, uh, becomes, they, they start a writer's group and, uh-huh. and, and then a, eventually like a Bible study and it's just lived reality and dignity mm-hmm. and hope and life and love. And yeah. Uh, Katie, so that's that's my vertical neighborhood by Linda McGibbon, but I wanted to also read this. Uh, this is from a very be- early in the book, Katie's book, and I read it for two reasons. One, it is beautiful prose, and two, it um, I think it's a it's a beautiful ode to what we want in in community. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: She's talking with her friend, Madison. I copy Maddie's position and recline my head on my own armrest and close my eyes. Mm -hmm. With the wine softening my defenses, I let myself remember what it was like to belong to the evangelical community, allowing the sweetness of belonging to lap like frothy surf around the edges of my body.
1: That's beautiful.
0: Do you not long to be held by frothy surf? (laughs) I know I do.
1: (laughs) I really do. Yeah. Tim Hortons has a new cold brew that's really frothy. And make it with oat milk. And it just makes my heart so happy, which I know sounds like a tangent, but actually like, you're right. I think that like when you have beautiful community and people who love you and who see you, that's what it feels like, right? Okay, my like last thought. I feel like we've talked a lot in the past about the future of the church and revival and all that stuff. I feel like that's the big word, right? And people have been like, well, I feel like revival's coming to the streets, but I actually do believe that. I believe that like Holy Spirit is doing a work, not just in churches, so to say, but the fact that you have people leaving. And I actually think that's so powerful and healthy because the courage it takes to leave that frothy surf of comfort, like to leave the womb, to like, to exit and be, okay, so I'm going to step out into the unknown, into the scary, because I'm actually going to fight for my healing and fight for my own mental well being. Like that to me is courage and that to me.
0: Can you imagine anything revival. better for the world than yeah. like hundreds, millions of people suddenly being like, Hmm, dignity and worth and courage. Let's go.
1: Yeah. <laughs> totally. Cause if you see it in yourself, you see it in others.
0: Yeah. You
1: can't love others. If you can't love yourself. Right. right. I'm not, I'm not saying go leave the church. I'm Just saying
0: I'm saying to some of you
1: you need to leave your church.
0: Go leave the church. Yeah. And maybe some of you need to reach out to that person that you've been not reaching out to and stop being such a lone wolf.
1: Well, that's good. And
0: I I I know there's reasons why you felt it was safer to be a lone wolf. And I respect those reasons, but it's not sustainable.
1: Feels
0: like a word. I I think I'm going to write a little booklet uh, in all seriousness, uh, called how to leave slash find the church. Um, and just like, I don't know, put some thoughts out there.
1: Do it. I love it. I enjoy listening to your thoughts. Um, but no, that just spoke to me because I'm not leaving my church, but I mean, I'm married to a pastor. And I'm really good at all of my friendships being outside of the church because it's terrifying inside the church for me mm. with my experiences. Mm. And maybe there is, and so, anyways, that just felt like a word like, oh, okay. There's courage that I need to take.
0: Mm. I think that's so good. Like I think there's a few good words in there that like courage, dignity. respect Mm -hmm. freedom you know don't leave a church because you don't agree with everybody yeah you're just gonna you're gonna find you, you can go and find people that you seem to agree with more and you might be like oh great i found my people give it six months
1: that's
0: exactly it. If it's <laughs> six months, you'll find something that something to disagree over. One of my best friends I discovered doesn't like the new Star Trek shows that I particularly <laughs> like. And I was like, whoa, ho, ho, I have to rethink everything.
1: that a deal breaker.
0: You will find deal breakers that were not deal breakers until you need them to be. And then you can be outsies again. So don't leave a church for that reason. I mean, our oh. church is—is is, I, I mean, I keep saying on air, you know, oh, all the frustrating people left our church, and now it's great, and, <laughs> but the fact is, it's still a mess because humans are a mess. We do oh, not all see. agree. We are not all on the same page. We are a broad, broad spectrum of perspectives and cultures and styles. But we are more interested in loving each other than in being right about everything. I yeah. Think, I think. Yeah. Um. Which brings me back to the wonderful Eugene Peterson, who taught that Jesus had two categories. (laughs) Jesus's two categories were those who think they're right and the hurting. Mm. Those were the two categories that Jesus, those were seems to be his binaries. The hurting versus those who think they are right. So the invitation is to admit that we're all hurting <laughs> and just drop yeah. the rightness.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You want to land this plane, my friend, or are we done here?
1: I feel like you just spoke into my sermon for Sunday. So I'm like writing notes down. Like, Oh um, no, I love that. I, and I think the truth is if we are courageous enough, and giving ourselves the own dignity, like the right, like or if we're choosing to treat ourselves with dignity and look at others with dignity, looking at ourselves, like the image of bearers of Christ and others in the same way, then I think we have to be honest. that so many of us are hurting. Our traumas may look different, but we're all coming from a space of pain to some degree. Mm. Um, and so it's going to get messy. Yeah but there is freedom and there is beauty and there is healing and there's walking it all out, but yeah. not, but there is, there is like, you and I started our conversation an hour ago with this off air where we're just like, it sucks. Cause the walking out of freedom and of healing is really hard. And sometimes there are lives and decisions that are just really shitty.
0: Yeah.
1: But there's also no other way I'd want to be doing it. Not with Jesus. Yeah. So here we are. Okay. And here we are. Here we are. That was a lot, that, that conversation went in a lot of different directions. But hopefully some of it spoke to you, hopefully the stuff that resonates um, and hopefully you are in a space where you know your worth and your dignity.